And uh, so, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and touch and agree and pray. Father, we thank you. We come before you, Lord, rejoicing, not just what you do in this place, not just what you do in our place. And Lord, we can call it your house because you're here. We can call it your house because we are here as the body of Christ assembled. And Lord, we praise you not just for that. Uh, We praise you in advance for what you're doing in San Miguel, El Salvador, and the opportunity for ministry there. And Lord, we ask specifically for souls. We pray that you would use us through medicine and medical personnel and through sports and other things. Lord, just to, to, to use those as the hook, as the bait uh, for the gospel, and we ask you to, you to allow us to see many souls saved as we help Ramiro in building that church there and bring us back safely. We ask it in Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Thank you. you. May be seated in the Lord's presence. If you have your Bible with you, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, fourth chapter of Ephesians, and I've actually not covered topics on marriage and family from the Sunday morning pulpit for a number of years. And in that time, there has been so much change. I mean, between the Defense of Marriage Act in 1996 and its reversal by the Supreme Court in 2015, there has been a sea change in American society. And that means that whereas, for those of you who are young, for those of you who are right now in your childbearing years... When I, you know, for those of us who are older, there was a time when our society had a pressure toward righteousness, but the sea has changed, the tide is going in a totally opposite direction, and you need to know, if you are of that age, that the pressure of our society is not toward righteousness at all, it's actually all the way against it. And so this mindset has not just extended to issues like transgenderism, but the role of schools and parents and health professionals to allow even minors who are thinking they're going through things they don't understand to be irretrievably and irrevocably altered in their experience of the most intimate aspect of their existence for the rest of their life. And it is so bad that we use language that defies waking reality. Because you can't choose your gender in your doctor's office. That's waking reality. You can't choose it there. You can't choose your gender... With the pharmacist, that's waking reality. You can't choose it there. And yet we use language that changes waking reality every place else. And rather than be afraid of these things, I want to show you how we've come full circle in 20 centuries from the 1st century to the 21st century as the new Romans. Because we now live in the same society immediately prior to the second advent of Jesus Christ as existed immediately prior to his first. And so we've lost that societal pressure toward righteousness. It goes away from it. And yet family and home are the foundation of our society. And the absence of following God's plan in these things is seen in Genesis 6 verse 5, and it is not pretty. So to a great degree, and this is our thesis for today's study, what we need for a successful operation of this church 
it's not just a knowledge of the scriptures. No, we need a successful operation of your home. Because a key way to test the application of your knowledge of the scriptures is in your home. And home is where the opportunity is for you to read, to feed, to grow, to let the Bible master your life. And that will happen as the Spirit of God answers to your application of the Word of God in front of others. So you don't just get saved to come to church on Sunday. You come to church on Sunday to act as a member of the body of Christ. And in doing that, you begin to restore your family to God's intended design. So you come to church to affect eternity. You come to church to rescue your family. You come to church to impact this city. You come to church to join with the next generation. So help me, Holy Spirit. Father, give us the faith and the prayers of a little child to do this. Who is minding your home? Now the answer is essential because here's our first point for study. Before the home can be healed, before your heart can be healed, it has to follow the right mindset because you cannot have the world's mentality and have a biblically functional family. And that biblical foundation of the home is the complete mentality that Paul establishes for the, the Ephesians and for us here in Ephesians chapter 4. Because this is the mentality that must undergird you during the week. I mean, we had, we had great praise service this morning because of the Taylor Swift effect. But, but you should have been like the crowd at the Taylor Swift concert. Really what you needed to do was have your phone out recording that because you know you're going to need it on Monday. I mean, you should have been recording for yourself what was going on here because you know you're going to need it on Monday. And unless you have this way of thinking, you will never accomplish God's directives for the home, which we will find later in chapters 5 and 6. Dysfunctional families populate our planet precisely because they abandoned or they did not know or they were never taught the mentality of God for the home. So I feel like we got to clear the landscape this morning before we can build with new construction. And so Paul starts in verse 17 by dissecting and by deconstructing this world's viewpoint. Verse 17, this I say, therefore, stop. He says, what I'm telling you right now is based on therefore. Find out what the therefore is therefore. Therefore is what I already told you. And what I'm explaining to you now is a development of what I explained to you right before. So it's important for us to go back and find out what the context is. Look at verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk... Worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And the reason that the James gang uses the word vocation is because your job is just a hobby. If you're saved, if you're born again, your job is just your hobby because your career is Christ likeness. Hello, somebody. So you walk in accord with who you are. You are given a high calling, so make sure you got a high step. Relate your posture 
to your position and your person in Christ. Relate who you hang with with who you belong to. Hello, somebody. Because here's our second point for study. You have to have the foundation of a right walk in order to have the function of a right home. So let your walk reflect your true identity, who you are in Christ. Verse 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Now I want you to circle, highlight, or underline that word other. You know, I don't mean to nitpick, but usually I don't have to because the Christian Standard Bible, the ESV, the New American Standard, and the NIV all omit the word other. They take out the word other as if you stopped being a Gentile when you became a believer. Now, Origen and the Gnostic scribes in Alexandria believed that they were not as others, that those Gentiles were the other. And they were not others like them. So they took the word out of the few manuscripts they were able to corrupt And modern translations are just as Gnostic as them. So much so that the modern eclectic text does not even acknowledge the word other ever existed. Okay, you can see the slide that is up there right now. That is my Greek New Testament that they taught me Greek in Bible college and seminary. And, you know, I got to this passage, and I noticed that these other translations didn't have the word other, and I thought, well, what's up with this? Let me go see what the variant reading is. Let me go see what the evidence is in the other competing manuscripts. And so I pulled that out, and I looked at it, and they don't even act like the word other ever occurred anyplace else, even though it is in the vast majority of manuscripts, it's in the Syriac and Gothic translations, and the church father Chrysostom quoted it. I mean, talk about being gaslighted. I looked at this passage, and I heard Bruce Metzger saying to me, well, you know, Alan, the word other never was there. The King James translators just made it up. Well, hello, Satan. How'd you get in here? You serpent. No, you are the one who made it look like the King James translators made it up. You made it up that it was never there when actually it was in the majority of manuscripts. Now, if you read from one of those Bibles, you have one of those with you. Do not feel bad. I am not preaching at you. I am preaching at the unbelieving scholars and the skeptical scholarship. No, let me say this. I'm I'm preaching at the skeptical scholars because some of them are believing. They're Southern Baptists, textual critics. Philip Comfort is one. But he's just as skeptical as all the unsaved scholars. And so I want to steer you back to God's words in the King James Bible. And uh, so check this little anomaly. That bastion of covenant and reform theology, Crossway Publishers, via their Tyndale House at Cambridge imprint, acknowledges in the Greek text for the ESV that the word other actually did occur, and they admit that it is in the prime Alexandrian manuscript Aleph, and that it was later corrected to include the word other. 
yet they do not translate it in the ESV. Okay, can you see what they did here? You know, I know that you may think, well, you know, Alan, I can never grasp this. You might as well not talk about it. No, the only reason I went through and continued and went through and got my doctorate is so that you could have the credibility for yourself and your friends. You can understand. This is easy to understand. It's not hard to understand at all. Because what had happened was all the modern translations basically, in essence, end up being a racist translation. Oh, those Gentiles. Ooh, I don't want to be like them. It's not other Gentiles like us. No, it's, oh, they are Gentiles. You know, we used to do that in America. It was called uh, Jim Crow. And it was, not, uh, it was not obvious, but it was systemic. And so how do other Gentiles just like you walk, just so you know, verse 17, they walk in the vanity of their mind. And the vanity of the 21st century is as obvious to us as it was, as the vanity of the first century was to the Apostle Paul and the Ephesians. People who are so desperate to get rid of pain, they cling to the promises of therapists and surgeons who say that hormone therapy and deconstructive surgery is going to fix what is broken inside of you. But what you never hear about is how once you have those injections, once you do those procedures, including whatever you are allowed to do to your kids, there is no going back. Voices are permanently altered. People are permanently disfigured. Now, anyone who doesn't complete transition surgically is just living vanity. And anyone who does complete transition will not have the normal experience of sexual pleasure ever again in their life. And the sad thing is this little disgust finding by the gender activists, the people who went through and they did all that, were six times more likely to have been put on the autism spectrum as those who did not struggle with gender dysphoria. In other words, the sensory discomfort during puberty and the uncomfortable sexual attention from their peers just snowballed until parents and schools throw children down this rabbit hole of transgenderism and they either end up permanently disfigured at worst or chemically imbalanced at best. And that is the vain thinking of Gentiles. And you know, I don't care about out there. I don't care about getting in politics and fighting for it. No, I care about fighting for it right in here. This is God's house. As long as we're here and we got God's word, this is God's house. I, I think we got to fight about it in here. Now, you, you know, it defies, it's not just that it defies God and says, well, God, you made a mistake with me. No, it is because it defies waking reality. Now, that is true mental vanity. So who is minding your home? The right mindset has to be established but the, because the key here is the word walk. The word walk is your movement in this world and it's based upon your orientation in this life. So the picture in Ephesians 4 is how a course is set. Because when you walk, you put one foot in front of another foot. It's in a certain direction in order to make progress to a definite destination. 
So walking is the method by which we grow in the Christian life. Watch, you can see it, Galatians 5.25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Okay, you are in the Spirit, you're saved. Don't just sit there and live in the Spirit. Start moving in the direction the Spirit will take you. And we've got to call it walking because your life in Christ is a process. You were raised. We, we tell you this every time we do baptisms. You were raised to walk in newness of life. Romans 6 verse 4. So minding the home is not established in just one step or just on one Sunday. You've got to walk it step by step in the proper mindset which establishes the proper foundation so that God can heal your home with his word. How is your walk, is your current lifestyle corresponding to your calling in Jesus Christ? Now the James gang calls your current lifestyle, your current conversation, because you're communicating something by what you do. So Paul says, do not walk like other, you know, they're just other Gentiles. You're a Gentile, there are other Gentiles too, but don't walk like them. Jesus was not of this world, John 8, 23, and Christians are not of the world, John 15, 19. So believers have to walk in a way that is distinct from the entire world. And yet Paul's referring to a culture which ended up becoming the foundation of our Western civilization. And it was a culture of slavery at the bottom and refinement at the top. Just like America was founded. Slavery at the bottom? Who could vote in America when America was founded? Women could not vote. As a matter of fact, no one who did not own land could vote. Only landowners could vote. I mean, we are the new Romans. And so you had a culture of slavery at the bottom and refinement at the top, and sex slavery of female children, and abuse by adult men. Oh, Rome was an empire to behold. But no matter how glorious that empire, no matter how persuasive their philosophers, no matter how controlling their authorities, do not walk like they do. Paul says, pull out of that, put off that, and walk a new way. But maybe the old walk still describes you to this day. A life full of stuff, and yet a heart devoid of satisfaction with any of it. Well, today, we show you the answer, because your main problem is a thinking problem. And that brings us to our next point for study. This is number three. If your mind is not informed by the giver of life, you can't ever arrive at the meaning of life. How can you spend all of your time and waste a whole life? One contributing factor is the same thing as it was in the Old Testament images. Not idolatry. I mean, we don't see ourselves as idolaters like they were in the Old Testament. No, it wasn't that anyway. I mean, the King James translators tell you what it was. It was images. You know, we used to call it television or movies or pictures, but now it's social media, it's virtual reality, it's mobile devices. So what had happened was the King James Bible sounds strange to us because we're not willing to let, us, let it teach us how to read. Reading takes thinking. We're not willing to think God's thoughts after him. 
We want the world's mindset and not the mind of Christ in the word. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Now look at Jeremiah 6 verse 7. Let me apply this verse, not historically, but actually uh, inspirationally for us, presently for us today. Jeremiah 6.7, as a fountain casteth out her waters, so she casteth out her wickedness. Violence and spoil is heard in her. I mean, practically every day, every night, on the news, in our, in our city, I'm talking about Kansas City area, before me continually is grief and wounds. Oh, I'm sorry, that's your favorite video game, isn't it? Hollywood is an industry that is a fountain, and all media... I say mainstream media, but really just all media, MSNBC or Fox, promotes adverse futility because that is what covers the pain of living without an eternal purpose. So here's what you've got to realize about yourself before you're ever going to be willing to change. Verse 18, Ephesians 4, 18. Having the understanding darkened, your thinking is vain because you don't understand absolute truth and you cannot understand truth because the devil has blinders on you and the bible is clear about where that blinding comes from in second corinthians 4 verses 3 and 4 it comes from the god of this world satan has you wearing shades and you you want to look cool because you're going to be hot so we stylize sin and we stylize it so much that it becomes normalized it becomes culturally acceptable. It becomes politically correct. And yet, Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof. What is it? Oh, man. So the, the absurdity of what we do is that the ways of death are accepted as a legitimate lifestyle. And our mind is dark, and, and we can't do anything about it because verse 18 says we are alienated from the life of God. And life, God's life is the all, only alternative to darkness. I mean, it takes the Holy Spirit to bring a person to Christ because people who are lost have shades on that prevent them from seeing the gospel. The gospel is the truth that Jesus died on the cross because you were a sinner, and his finished work paid the penalty for your sins in your place. But you have to believe that. You have to accept it by faith. So why are we alienated from this only life-giving alternative? Verse 18, it is through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So here's why you've got to stop letting the world handle your home. Two problems with modern counsel. First, there's inbred ignorance. Second, there are callous hearts. Ignorance that is in them means humanity is separated from the life of God. And so we are born without the capacity to recognize our own darkness or recreate life in and of ourselves. We all enter this world with Adam's fallen nature as other Gentiles. That automatically removes us from the life of God. So ignorance is inherent, and then we get hard. We get callous, and that is intuitive. 
But even in pointing out the problem, Paul is directing us to the solutions. And I got to make sure you get this before we go. Because these are hints on healing your heart and your home. First off, I need you to know, and this is number one, you should get your children a concept of sin against God early in life. Your sinfulness, their sinfulness, and sin as it exists in others like them in society. I mean, you've got to say others, otherwise it's hate speech. If you just call them the Gentiles, like you're, like you're not. No, we are others just like them, but we got saved. So do not wait until your kids become hard and calloused and blind to sin. This world chooses to be ignorant, blind, and stubborn. And since Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 19, afflicts so many people, we dress up the diagnosis. Because we will not give up our sin, we develop antivirals to mitigate the consequences. And we develop psychological subterfuge to sear the conscience and get rid of the guilt when our conscience is speaking clearly to us. But here's the real problem, especially if you're saved. This is our fourth point for study. When you live like the lost, you're not just imitating their thinking. You are emulating their decision about God. And God can do anything except be mutually inconsistent. He cannot do things that are mutually contradictory and still be God. Because part of the definition of holiness is his harmony. And, And so God cannot give you free will and at the same time take it away in order to keep you from going to hell. Or to send you to hell, as the case may be, in Calvinist theology. God cannot give you a choice to believe in Jesus and at the same time prevent you from the eternal consequences of rejecting Jesus. That would be illogical and immoral, ignorant and blind-hearted. So when you leave God, you leave his benefits. God is light, hell is darkness, God is love, hell is wrath, and you cannot blame God for that. Because verse 19 says, you are the one who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness as if it had an expiration date, as if it were going out of style, given over to licentiousness so you can practice every kind of impurity. And outside Christ, you develop a course of existence that simply delivers you to the pleasures of your flesh rather than the glory of God. You betray yourself to imprisonment. Now, all of these things are just James Gang synonyms for that phrase to give over. What does it mean to be given over? You imprison yourself. And this Sunday, we're setting a complete mindset for your home. So let me move quickly to the only hope and the only alternative. Verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. You know, I don't mean to nitpick because I usually don't have to, but if you have a good news translation, a Holman Christian Standard Bible, a Net Bible, a New Living Translation, or even the modern English version, which says it is from the, the Texas Receptus, the good texts, you'll notice how they so resent Christ being the object of that sentence and the object of your learning that they make you 
they say, and they make you learn from him or learn about him, but not learn him. Even though his name is in the accusative case in the Greek, which means that's the object. Oh, these are not honest people you're dealing with. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know how you view it. I, you know, uh, you keep coming here and and uh, if, you know, if you believe the King James Bible is the words of God, I don't care how many degrees they have, how long they've been to school, they're stupider than you. If you believe the King James Bible, they're stupider than you. They're not even honest about how they translate things. And as if to not be outdone in unbelief, the NIV takes Christ completely out of this verse. Even, even though he's even in their corrupt manuscripts. They, they still won't put the name of Christ in that verse. Now, why do they do that? Just because they can. No good reason. Obviously, if it's in every Greek manuscript, even the bad ones, there's no good reason to take the name of Christ out of that verse. They just do it because they can. And again, do not feel bad. It is not your fault. I'm just trying to steer you because it is clear how other Gentiles chart their course independent of God. And your ignorance is only dispelled by the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. Knowing the truth truly makes you free immediately, John 8, verse 32 and verse 36. But it sets you free progressively through sanctification of the Spirit. You see that in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Now, that's not just, that's not just spiritual salvation. That's not just salvation from hell. He's, he's talking about psychologically as well as spiritually. He's talking about the type of salvation that happens over time through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Where does your learning take place? It takes place in your mind. That is why we have to mind the home before we can heal your heart and home. And we need a complete mindset from God's word. So if you are saved, do not be a spiritual schizophrenic. Do not take the mind of Christ and conform it to the world of your flesh. The road that is, that is the road called carnality. And that is not what you learn from Christ do not wind up lost and purposeless if you are here and you're not yet saved, having failed to find God's plan for your life, much less for your home. Do not mind the wrong thing so that you end up in the wrong spot, suicidal, dysfunctional, dark, depressive, and broken. So Paul throws us a challenge based on the waking reality of being spiritually born again. What exactly does it mean to learn Christ? Look at verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. I mean, all of this stuff, it's not based on what I say. It's not true because I say it. It is true because Jesus who is speaking to you is the truth. He is the way and the truth. The truth is in Jesus. So what you take of Christ, when you learn of Christ, you can stake your walk on. When you learn more of Christ, you walk better and better. And when you learn more and more of Christ, then you'll stop being imbalanced. 
you will have solved your bipolar. Your life starts to accomplish the goal of catching the flight and not just wandering around the terminal looking for entertainment. I don't know if you've been to the new airport or not. It is the best airport than, that $1.5 billion can buy. I've been to other airports. It is a great airport. But when I go to that airport, I don't go there to walk around and see the great art and you know, buy all the you know, cool stuff, the Kansas City stuff they got there. I go there to catch a flight. How do you get this new thinking, this new mindset for the home? Verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful less. Okay, look, give me a break. Yeah, I, 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 I don't mean to nitpick. Uh, really, I don't have to because um, you need to understand that if this is the key, if this is the clue, if, if this is true, if this is what God is giving you, Satan is against it. And he is as against it today as he was in the garden. He is just that much against it. Therefore, if this passage is going to give you the correct mindset, he's going to challenge it on every level. That's why it comes up so often in this passage, because every manuscript, including the bad ones, reads just like the King James, put off your old man. But the Christian Standard Bible, the ESV, the New American Standard, the NIV do not read that way. They say put off your old self. The modern English version, supposedly from the Texas Receptus, says put off the old nature. And you know, the Greeks had a separate word for self. They had a separate word for nature. This is the word for man. And it's really hard to pull off yourself, but you can put off your old man. I mean, uh, you know, you cannot disown your own soul. But you can divorce Adam. He's the old man. And you don't just take him off. You've got to put him off, baby Baba. So put off your old disposition, your old desires, put them off, forcibly remove the old clothes, mortifying the flesh, so you can put on the new stuff, the new man who is Christ. So how can I help you heal heart and home? Well, this is number two, I need you to know, getting the new man from the new mind is a replacement process, substituting the fruit of the spirit for the sins of the flesh. And this is very important because it deals with the warfare between the two natures that exist in every born again believer. This is why you are still as other Gentiles. You still have the old sin nature along with an imparted divine new nature, Ephesians 2, 3 and 2 Peter 1, 4. So most of the healing of the home is not a correction process. It is a replacement process. Okay, that is your parenting tip for the day. Replacement process is more important than correcting process because the Bible declares your old man was crucified with Christ. Romans 6 verse 6, so you would not serve sin. Galatians 2.20, crucified with Christ. And you're not really that person anymore. So you need to give a faith response to what God's word is saying in waking reality about you. And you need to do your way out of doubt. Do your way out of doubt. Galatians 5.24 says, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. All right, do that. 
Well, Alan, I don't know. I tried that before and it doesn't know. Well, you, you know, when you say you tried it before, all that tells me is you stopped. You stopped doing your way out of doubt. Galatians 6, 14. The world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Your old life is a dead man. So when you walk like the world walks, you're dragging around a corpse of carnality and it smells like it. Therefore, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So God gives us his words in English to give us a new mind, the mind of Christ. We can then track down the very thinking of Christ about our earthly circumstance, Colossians 3.10. So we can think in time what God has determined in eternity. And then the spirit of God answers to the word of God renewing our mind, Romans 12.2. And that's why Paul asked the Romans this question in Romans 6 too. How? How shall we, we that are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Well, the only way you can live in it is if you're not dead to it. And it shouldn't be happening because, you know, Psalm 119 verse 104 says, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So live like Simon Peter says in 1 Peter 1.14 and chapter 2, verse 2. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You do not have to live like you are ignorant anymore. Get discipled. You do not have to fashion yourself after the pattern of this world. Why? Colossians 3, 5. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So do not return to that old life. Repent and stay reconciled with God. But the only way to not go back is by replacing it with the new life, the new man. And that is what Jesus offers for your home. Verse 24 and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The new man is Jesus Christ himself, 1 Corinthians 15, 47, Colossians 3, 10. You know, I don't mean to nitpick because I usually don't have to. But this is why not translating verses 22 and 24 correctly is such an abomination. The Amplified Bible and New Living Translation, the Revised Standard Version, they are exceptionally abominable, uh, saying that you've got to put on the new nature. Not put on the new man, put on the new nature, even though you already got the new nature when you got saved. What a mess. I mean, it was supposed to be theologians that translated. You know, people that knew something about the scriptures as well about the text, but... Even the modern English version translated from the Textus Receptus makes the the same mistake more abominable because Paul explains this verse in another place perfectly. Look at Romans 13, verse 14 on your handout. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the new man. Put him on. And make not, here's how, you do not make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And some of you have been reading your Bible, so you're, you're programmed, but you've got a plug-in problem. 
uh, because the power is not yet shown up in your life and in your home. And others of you love Jesus and you praise the Lord and it looks like lots of power, but you got a programming problem because you never know what to do from God's words. Proper programming means that you are learning the word of God with us so that you have the divine data that you need to respond to life from the mind of Christ. Being plugged in means that you are walking in dependency on the Holy Spirit for your ministry in this body of flesh. And when that connection is complete, you get power from heaven down to earth. I mean, that's what happens in the thunderstorm, right? The earth is negative. What's in the heavens is positive. And pretty soon, what is positive so builds up over what is negative, it's got to discharge someplace. And it looks for the most negative thing it could find to come down and discharge itself on. You know, that's what you need to do. You need to slice away the old man. You need to, you need to take off piece by feet piece like, like a suit of clothes. You just need to, be ta- you need to be putting off the old man, negative, 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 until you get to the place Holy Ghost says, wow, I'm really positive. He's really negative. She's really negative. I think we make a good team. Let me just give some power to this thing. How can I help you heal? Your heart and your home. This is number three, finally. Final analysis. I need you to know action changes when self-definition changes. We have a new mind in God's word. We have the new man created in righteousness and true holiness. He has to be put on piece by piece like a new suit of clothes. So until we get our new flesh, we replace the old one with Jesus. When you redefine who you are that way, then your activity takes on a new shape, even though you are as other Gentiles and you are still in the old flesh. You know, I, know, I knew that I needed to do uh, just like the Apostle Paul today. I knew I had to start with a complete mindset that has to govern your home because as long as you refuse to put off the old patterns of thinking, you will never be able to handle the home truths in the next two sermons in this series. Because the next, next two chapters in Ephesians are flight instructions. And the only way to get you free from a caterpillar mindset is to admonish you to leave the cocoon, to put off the cocoon. Uh, it takes effort to leave the cocoon. I don't know if you ever watched it, you know, on a science channel, but it looks so violent. And God purposely makes it hard for the caterpillar who's turned into a butterfly to leave the cocoon so that the expenditure of effort causes the wings of your courageous spirituality to inflate because the harder it is for you to come out of that cocoon, the bigger your wings are going to be and the better you will fly to the glory of God. So can we make a covenant together this morning? I want us all to commit I'd like you to commit with me to coming out of the cocoon. I don't care about the closet. Just come out of the cocoon. I want us to consecrate ourselves to living the Christ that we learn. Because the only way to test the application of your knowledge of Christ is in the home. Everything you need to fly is in the DNA of the divine nature that you get when you trust Jesus for everlasting life and you are born again. 
That is something you do not have to put on, regardless what the other translations tell you, because you already have God's DNA. And since it is the nature of God, it always answers to the word of God so that you can always put off the old man. Some of you are not flying because you not left the cocoon. And you're new man on the inside, but you still not put off the old Adam on the outside. Stop looking at your cocoon. Focus on the wings that God is offering you today. Caterpillars do not fly, but when I look at you in Christ, I see wings. So do your way out of doubt. Never say, I can't, to the things that God tells you to make true. Christ's spirit is the wind beneath your wings. That's why you got to fly. Whatever that habit is, you can fly. Whatever that struggle is, you can fly. Whatever that problem is, you can fly. You can fly, you can fly, you can fly. Because who you are determines who you, what you can accomplish. Who you are in Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My time is up. I thank you for yours. You know, some of you are not flying today because you've never been born again. You've never yet trusted Jesus for what he is offering you right now. The promise of your soul and eternity with him. Will you simply believe on Jesus for everlasting life today? You know, there are all sorts of ways of giving out the gospel. You know, and I see him advertised from time to time. Everybody's got a gimmick. Some people say, well, you've got to start off first and making sure people know they are a sinner. Although that wasn't always the way it was done, even by Jesus. Well, you know, you've got to call him as Lord. And I'm not even talking about lordship salvation issues necessarily. But, you know, Jesus just says, look, believe on me for everlasting life. And will you, with, will you pray with me and do that right now? Just your heart to God, knowing that he hears, because Jesus is alive. He is alive to hear you and respond to that prayer. So just pray and say, God, save me today for Jesus' sake. I trust Jesus today for everlasting life. So here, Jesus, I give you my life. It's an exchange of life. I give up my old sinful, rotten life so that I can have your new righteous spotless life and you will enable me to put off the old man and put on the new go ahead and stand with me as we get ready for the praise team to send us out singing and if you're here and you need to become a member come up and talk to us about becoming a member if you uh, need to get baptized you've never been scripturally baptized come up and talk to us so we can get you on the, on the list for the next time we do baptisms but especially if you trusted Jesus today for everlasting life. If you prayed that, come up and let us know so I can give you a copy of my book, Next Steps for New Believers. And then, then as you go out, hit the welcome desk in the lobby and sign up to be discipled. You know, we will pair you up with someone to sit with you over an open Bible for just 16 lessons, 16 basic fundamental concepts of the Christian walk so that we can show you how to fly.